Welcome to the KT Music Podcast. I'm Tommy. I'm Caden. I'm and Cameron. Our guest, oh, <laughs> yeah. hey. And our guest today, yeah, is uh, Cam Cushion. Yeah, what up? So you've been doing music for quite some time then, huh? Uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much my whole life, depending on, you know, what you're talking about. Uh, electronic music I got into uh, about 20 years ago. So, right. but before what was your that, first? I, what was your first introduction to electronic music? The oh my to electronic music. Uh, yeah. I when I moved back from Calgary in 1999, uh, a friend of mine took me to, or actually my cousin, my cousin Chris Lloyd, took me to my first rave at a place called oh, the Yeah, <laughs> it was a place called the Underground in Windsor. Uh, it was on Walker Road, just uh, heck maybe five blocks from uh, Richie Houghton's like main studio. So nice. there was a. Uh, it was really happening for a while. And then, uh, yeah. And then my, my other cousin, Ian, uh, when I said that I was starting to get into electronic music, he made me a bunch of tapes of like, uh, cassettes. He made me a bunch of cassettes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> nice. Of, of like, uh, like the more underground stuff, the like Aphex Twin and, uh, Meepy yeah. Manifesto and, uh, oh, Plastic, yeah. Plastic Man. And of course, Underworld, you know, cause they, they were so huge in the late nineties, but he's the one that kind of got me more, down the IDM path of, of stuff like that. And okay. then uh, that's I went, where things went downhill. No, that's where they went <laughs> uphill. They went very uphill. Uh, I, I went to the first couple of uh, Demph, like Demph 1 and Demph 2. I went to oh, those. Nice. And right after. What Demph- are those? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, excuse my ignorance. Uh, no, that, that, yeah, no, that's funny. Uh, it's movement, right? Before it was called. Detroit Electronic Music Festival. Now it's called Movement. So yeah. it, it was called Demp for the first, you know, five or six or something like that until it became Movement. That's, that's still what I know it as, probably. Uh, there's okay. one time, like, we were crossing the border and my girlfriend said, yeah, I'm just going to Demp. And the, <laughs> the, the people at the border got kind of mad. They're like, Demp doesn't <laughs> exist. You can't be going there. Like, whoa. What the heck? <laughs> movement. Wow. Okay. Sorry. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I went to the first couple of those and then, uh, there was a pawn shop around the corner from me that had a boss DR 110 drum machine for like 50 bucks. So I went and I bought it and I just started screwing Damn. around, like screwing around, like with a, a tape deck and some really crappy gear. And like, I still have those recordings from back then and they are awful. <laughs> Oh, nice. <laughs> just horrible sound quality. And I didn't know what I was doing. And just, oh, real train wreck stuff. But every once in a while, there's like a cool beat. And I'm like, oh, man, I should remix right. this, you know? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you get that sliver of action, you're, you're <laughs> like, oh, man. So when was your first, like, live performance? Oh, my God. it, <laughs> And it's funny because I was just digging through old cassettes. I actually, I can see it right now. First gig slash tape over. Like that, that's yeah. how bad it was. I'm like, I don't, posterity does not need this. I, it was, like, <laughs> it was literally like a party in a barn outside oh, Windsor, nice. like in like Harrow or something like that, you know, population 5,000 or whatever. Like, and it was just, right. I had like one turntable and a TR 505 and I mean, the recording is just awful. <laughs> How many people were there? Uh, it was like 20 people in a barn, you know, kind of thing. Like, wow. 
Not bad. Was that your first ever performance for any kind of thing? Did you do any kind of instrument in school that you had performances for or was oh this yeah like... yeah I, I i'm no stranger to you know performing in some way i i started out uh i had a trumpet when i was like seven or no eight or nine and i played trumpet for a while in the school band and then i switched to playing drum kit in the school band and oh, nice. I've, I've been playing guitar since i was like i don't know 10 or eight or ten i think yeah just oh. There's a cheap guitar on the wall back there. So acoustic then? Yep. Yeah, I don't nice. have an electric guitar, although I keep saying I'm going to get an electric guitar at some point and use it in my music. I just yeah, I, I've, I've been saying the same thing. <laughs> it's a cool sound. Yeah, and I'm I'm actually a halfway decent guitar player. I've I I still yeah. play gigs sometimes. I can play and sing really well. Uh, whereas my keyboard experience, like I'm not a very good keyboard player because I just oh. I don't yeah. do it like I can come right. up with something, but I don't know how to if you gave me a keyboard and said, do a set, I'd be in <laughs> trouble. Like I use sequencers to record or to control my synthesizers. I don't really right. play them. So if I, if I wanted to do like yeah. incorporate an instrument live, it would it would have to be an electric guitar. Yeah, that makes sense. So speaking about uh, equipment, what's what kind of synthesizers do you currently use? Okay. Uh, well, well I've, I'm actually seeing a lot on your, on your oh, Facebook. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I'm, I know I see here that you use Ableton. Uh, a little bit. Yeah. I, I mean, that's looks like you're recording your gear with it. Is that mostly? The main... Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. I the, the last time I used Ableton for a track, it was mostly just for the sequencing and then for like a 909 ride sound. Cause I don't have, yeah. Okay. I, I don't have a 909 or anything like that. In fact, I just just last month or not even last month, a couple of weeks ago, finally bought the uh, TR6S. Cause it's so nice. Oh, nice. It's, it's nice and small and it's got the FM sounds and it's got all those classic TR sounds, the 808. That's pretty much like a TR8S, right? Yeah, it's the same engine. I use it. Yeah, I use the TR8S daily. I've I mean I've wanted a TR8S, but it's the real estate issue, right? It takes up so much space. Yeah, huge. My studio is in my apartment. It's mostly yeah. all to all on this one table right here. That if you have, if you can move the camera, we'd love to see it. Yeah. I suppose we don't we don't record the video anymore, but it's still fun to see. <laughs> oh, lovely, lovely. Look so, so uh, describe to the listeners what we're seeing. Yeah. Oh, so they can't uh, see anything? We're, we just do audio now. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, and I, I framed it with this, uh, all my vinyl uh, yeah. behind it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you, we might just... actually be recording the video. And if yeah. the video turns out, I'll, I'll upload it. But. All right, cool. Uh, so main, what I have right now, my main setup is I have a BeatStep Pro uh, that I just have for like tying everything together because it can sync yeah. MIDI and clock and all that stuff. I don't use it to send much note data to gear, but every once in a while right. I do. Uh, and then I've got my Moog Minotaur. That's my go-to bass synthesizer because oh, yeah. it destroys. You can shake walls like it is so good. I don't really think like <laughs> I'm sure there's maybe a better bass synthesizer out there, but uh, I don't know. It's just so good. <laughs> uh, and then I've yeah. got I've got my Digitac, which is sort of my main. That's usually what I'm sequencing my other gear with. Most of my synths are being oh, yeah. controlled by the Digitac because it's got those eight 
uh, mini tracks on it. Electron and, gear is so good. Uh, yeah, for sequencing, it's just unbelievable. And I, I bought it because I needed a good sampler. And right. I didn't even realize that it was such a good MIDI sequencer. And then I got it home and I found that out and I just hit the roof. Like it changed, it changed my game like completely. So uh, I also got uh, up here, I have the clones, the uh, 303 and 606 clones that Behringer put out. Uh, I have an original 606, but I try to only use it for uh, actual recordings because some of the buttons are finicky and it's, it's in yeah. rough shape. But it's funny because it, you know, they say all 606s sound a little bit different. Uh, I have one that sounds amazing. And when I'm listening back to <laughs> stuff that I've made, like if it's the clone, I'm like, yeah, that sounds okay. But if it's the 606, like my hats are so crisp and the snare is so snappy that I'm just like, oh, there, that's the real one. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and let's see what else I got up here. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Barrier Neutron is up there. Uh, I've had it for a oh, while. Yeah. I haven't used it too much. I just uh, redid my whole setup a little while ago. The, the Neutron was kind of tucked away for a while. Um, right. Also have the Moog 32, Mother 32, which oh, also, great. I also haven't used it very much. It was sort of tucked away. It wasn't a part of my last setup. So I'm really looking forward to uh, getting down and dirty with it. Uh, I've also got the Korg Mini Log. Yeah, Mini Log, right? Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that thing is just, oh my God, it's so good. I love that thing so much. And the other synth that I just absolutely adore right now is the Arturia Micro Freak. That thing is... Oh, those are really cool. Oh, oh is, it the, is it the one with the orange and the padding? The... It, yeah, it's, it's like a fake bukla or whatever those are called. Okay. Like it's yeah, yeah. touch sensitive thing. Like, what, so, what do you like about it? Oh, I just, it's incredibly versatile. It's, I mean, okay. awesome, awesome digital synth with a great analog filter. It's just, it's it's so, it's got the onboard sequencer. It's so easy to use. It sounds, I mean, and it's like, what, 400 bucks Canadian? Yeah, like, they're pretty cheap. <laughs> like for the price, yeah. If, yeah. if anybody is like, I had a friend message me and say like, oh, you know, I'm thinking about getting into music and I'd like a synthesizer. What should I get? I'm like, get a micro freak. It's small. It's fun. It's inexpensive. It, you can, I mean, I haven't even dove into the weird like modulation matrix. If you want to go deep on that thing, you can go deep <laughs> like, or you can just have fun like messing around. Yeah, they're with, pretty like, cool. So I'd say anybody from novice to expert can make use of something like that thing. Oh, yeah, I have one for a little bit, and they're, they're definitely really fun. Uh oh, very what'd expressive. You, what'd you do with it? I sold it. I, I, I buy and sell stuff constantly. Oh, God. I, I can't sell stuff. I have stuff in my closet that hasn't been used in like 18 years, and it's still there. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, I hold on to what I can, but I usually, I'm pretty picky. Like, yeah it's pretty hard for me to find a piece of equipment that I like enough to hold on to. <laughs> oh, wow. Holy cow. Do you curate, you must curate your gear often then. Uh, oh, like, me or cam. Cam. Uh, like switch it out quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like my, the setup that I had going uh, until I just kind of rebuilt my table. Uh, I, I'd been hashing out the same tracks for maybe a year and a half or something like that. So I hadn't really, switched out and put anything new and then i finally put the finishing touches on some of my old stuff or old my old my new stuff i guess <laughs> uh 
just seems old because I started making it like two years ago, but I'm, I decided I'm done with that stuff. I'm not touching it anymore. Uh, and it's time for new material. So I designed the whole new setup and right now I'm still at that, like picking out my samples, like I'm oh, yeah. really just like the early formation stages of, uh, getting some stuff. Like I bought one of those, um, the zoom H4N thing that you can like, and I went, well, I went out like hung out under bridges and like recorded birds oh, yeah. and, and motorcycles. So I'm still doing all that. Like I, I love that part. I love that part of sound design. Yeah. Just, just, <laughs> just experiencing it. That's that's the fun part. The hard part's when you're in the middle of it and you're just like, yeah. oh like, <laughs> you know, you just don't know what to do with yourself. Yeah. And I, I also have to build up my muscle memory again for some of my gear then mm. you know I hadn't used it as much as I should have. And I, I really want to get right. into that like like even the, the digital even just like the digitac like it's kind of menu divey at times and right you gotta oh heck yeah you, yeah you, you gotta uh, i don't have uh what do you call it the uh the octatrack i don't have one but i've heard that those <laughs> things are like oh my god you need to save your thing like three different ways it, it like for, uh, they seem they pretty are intimidating <laughs> yeah. do, do you have one i use one for a little while and they yeah. definitely it's extreme they're really powerful but they are extreme yeah like I think uh I think Kiro sold his and got a digitac. He was just like, man, that thing's yeah. like uh, it's just so menu diving crazy. It's like if you want just immediate fun, I guess digitac's better. And of course, if you want really yeah. immediate fun, then those model things, the model cycles and model samples. Oh, oh, I had the I had the percussion one for a little while. I yeah. does the Digitac have overbridge? Yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah, I that was I let that feature alone made it worth I we the percussion modal one was super cool. It was really good at like drum and bass kind of stuff. Oh, okay, sweet. I loaded a ton of drum bass samples onto mine. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I I had a hard time not buying one, especially because they're on sale right now. But I I wanted those classic TR sounds so badly uh, that I was like, no, I'm getting the 6s. I, I need it. <laughs> yeah, they're so compact too. Yeah, they're tiny. This oh, I just love it. Like. And bus power. You could do a whole show with just one of those things. Yeah, you could. Uh, oh, yeah. I think it was, what's his name? Uh, it might have been Cuckoo that did it. Uh, he did a whole set just on model he does, samples. He does a forever. lot of minimalists. Yeah. He like, does yeah. a lot of minimalists. Like a whole hour set with one little machine. Like awesome. He was, he was, <laughs> he, on made a, he actually made once. a whole album with that, with the Octatrack. Yeah. Oh, okay. Nice. Uh, called Not Pop. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was like, and then every song name was, a genre but he would put not before it so it was like this is not jazz <laughs> this this oh, is oh i listen to IDM. that nice i yeah i listen there he has such a eclectic style and yeah. i i do enjoy it he was on our podcast i think two years ago oh nice ago. we'll have to have him back on, yeah. the, on this one awesome so going back a bit here and dialing it on you uh were you musical growing up? You said you played trumpet, but what was your introduction to music? Like, were your parents into it? Oh, yeah. I mean, my whole family, yeah. pretty much. Uh, I mean, when I, I grew up, uh, I was raised Catholic, and, like, my family was the choir, you know? Like, oh. <laughs> we're, like, okay. the, the hardcore Catholics. I was an altar server. My mom was in the choir, you know? <laughs> me, oh, too, me, too. Yeah. I was never in choir, but I definitely did a fair share of altar serving. Oh, yeah. I Every once in a while, you know, they were always the choir. And every once in a while, I'd get roped into doing a verse of the Ave Maria or something. I don't know. Like, 
I'd be up there like a you know eight year old boy like yeah 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 suffice to say I've I've been getting dragged out uh, to perform in one way or another for a long time <laughs> yeah that helps yeah, I a guess lot so. yeah I I I've done pretty much every kind of performing and about five years ago I did stand up comedy for about five years oh my god and I wow nothing nothing comes close to as terrifying as stand-up comedy like how did that go tell me about that Um, that that takes a lot of guts man yeah uh when people don't laugh it's really (laughs) awful and i did a lot of kind of like a little too smart like i didn't lay out the joke well enough and it would be really sort of highbrow and you'd like you'd need like knowledge of history or something like so i didn't always do so well (laughs) i i uh, i had like I did comedy for, I think, four or five years. And I think I had like five or 10 sets that were like, oh, that went well. <laughs> Jeez. Whereas, I, can't, like, I couldn't do that. It's so what, what, it's what, did you, what did you go for? Like, did you go for being absolutely absurd or did you go for like really self-deprecating stuff? Definitely not self-deprecating stuff at all. Okay. Uh, mostly like silly stuff, smart jokes, weird puns, play on words, uh, a little bit right. of surreal stuff. But, you know, um, I, and oddly enough, one of the best sets I ever had was the only time I ever performed anywhere in America. I went to a place called Suck It Hookah Bar in Toledo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, Suck It what bar? Hookah. Hookah bar? Hookah. hookah bar as in the oh. thing that you puff on right yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no, there were no hookers involved it was hookahs i got a hookah pipe in my house <laughs> yeah nice and yeah i went there with a friend one day because he was performing and i got up and i only did maybe three or four minutes but like every joke landed and just like oh that's awesome uh, that, that's when you take the money and run <laughs> yeah yeah was, how did that feel oh that was amazing yeah how how does that how did that like how different is that kind of performance do you think compared to music well i mean for one thing when you're playing music you're really engaging with something you you are you have your hands on something you're you know if you're djing you're mixing you're using the mixer a guitar you're playing the guitar the stand-up comedy you're just standing up there with a microphone, right? <laughs> you're so playing like, with the audience. The audience is your yeah, synthesizer. Yeah, and I, I was never good at that crowd work aspect of things. Oh, my gosh. So, like, it, that's oh, like a, if there were hagglers or... Yeah, we didn't really get hecklers too much, but, like, there's one guy in Windsor named John Pelado, and he is, like, for amateur comedians, he's just, he kills that crowd work stuff. He can get up on stage and not even tell a joke for half an hour. He's just riffing with the audience and killing and I mean, that is, that is a really hard talent, <laughs> like crazy, oh, yeah. crazy difficult. I could never do that. Like, I think I it think... takes a kind of instinct, like oh, to yeah. know the bat, like to know where you can push the boundary. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Cause oh, yeah. there's definitely an envelope oh, like, yeah. social, like, especially if you're like starting to get really aggressive with someone, <laughs> or... <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. What well, one of my favorite comedians so, is uh Mike Birbiglia is a really famous comedian. He's one of my favorites. And like he's always said, like joking about the people that are in the room is like that is a minefield. <laughs> like it can oh, go yeah. it can I go bet. wrong yeah. you just don't so know. quickly. <laughs> you just don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you hit the wrong person and you're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then meet you out back when you're done. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. So you must be super comfortable about getting up on stage then. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, I find that, uh, the bigger the crowd, the easier it is to perform always. I, yeah. I agree with you there. Isn't like, that weird? I, yeah. Well, if like, there's sometimes somebody would be like, Hey, play a song for us. And there's like two people in the room. Oh and my gosh. If one of those two people aren't paying attention, you know, right away, you're like, Oh shit, they yeah. tuned out. You know, <laughs> like if you're yeah. playing, if yeah. there's a thousand people there, if half of them aren't paying attention, you still have 500 people paying attention. Not that I routinely play for a thousand people. I probably never played <laughs> for more than a couple hundred or something, but uh, yeah, definitely the bigger the crowd, the easier it gets to, to do anything, yeah. I think. And you can just eat and you can just focus on the music. You don't even have to, you know, yeah. if you've got your head dug into a synthesizer or any <laughs> instrument, it's not it's it's like you're in your bedroom again or something yeah yeah i i mean the last show that i played back in october uh a couple of friends of mine like posted picture it, it was pretty dead there wasn't too many people there but i didn't even yeah. know who was there like one of my friends posted a picture and i was like oh i you know i didn't see you i was so <laughs> I, I was doing a hardware oh, yeah. set of like i had like 10 synthesizers there with me so i was really like really paying attention and I'm guessing that you guys would know if you guys do like that kind of live performance, it is way more draining than doing a DJ set. A DJ set is pretty easy to do. You just I've never DJed. Oh, okay. Uh, it's definitely, it's... <laughs> well, actually, technically we did DJ. Okay. Yeah. But we did like one a DJ time. set where we had like a ton of song tracks in Ableton, but then we would remix yeah. them and transition oh, yeah. into a hundred percent like, jams on techno stuff but that was as close as we've ever gotten that's cool (laughs) but uh yeah what i was just saying it's i I find it's it's tiring if i do a a live hardware set for a while afterwards i'm like man i gotta sit down like because you're that is hard you're you're 100 like what am i doing next what's coming after that like i'm switching and it's like it's so hands-on and exhaustive but it's also insanely fun like it's yeah that's my favorite by far 100 percent Sometimes, like, like when I first got the 303 clone, I'd never had a 303 of any kind. And the first time yeah. that I was jamming up one of my tracks and I just threw a 303 line in there, it was like, uh-huh. I, I hit the roof. Like, it was like goosebumps, like, just. And like I said, I started out with some really crappy gear. And now I have awesome gear. I have an awesome mixer. I got good monitors. So, man, when the sound right. hits, oh, <laughs> <laughs> just uh, transported to another time and place sometimes oh, just amazing so <laughs> what do you do like uh, is music your primary thing no <laughs> i uh i mean sometimes i make some pocket money doing music but it's right. it's certainly no I'm, I'm an assembly worker i work at ford motor company and i build engines oh, nice. <laughs> i used to work in a foundry and uh they sold us out, moved our jobs to Mexico. You know, you know how that goes. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Dang. So, and I mean, it's, that's still going through the courts and all that stuff. Uh, you know, people are right. like, Oh, you're going to get money eventually. I'm like, well, I don't know about that. Like it was deemed a breach of contract, but whatever. Oh, geez. But So where do you see yourself with music in the future? Do you. That is a really good question. Um, I, I don't think it will ever be my profession ever. Yeah. Um, but I don't think there's ever going to be a point where I just stop. That is never going to happen. 
Uh, I don't just do yeah. solo stuff. I have friends of mine that I jam with. Uh, my one buddy, Nate Jelanus, we jam together all the time. Uh, I'm also a, a core member of a group called Signal Exchange. Uh, that's like a Signal loose exchange. signal exchange. Yeah, we're a sort of loose collection of, uh, I mean, all in all, there's probably 25 or 30 of us in the, in the chat. But usually the right. jams, the jams end up being somewhere between five and seven people, 10 people kind of thing. And, oh, wow. Uh, How do you manage know, that many people in a jam? Uh, one of the guys who was one of the core members, his name's Mike Beauchamp. He creates something called the, okay. ther he, he, it's called a Therabox synthesizer. So it's like a theremin based thing where you, oh, okay. you, you move your finger up and down. Yeah. Uh, and they're like it's super like he's just launching launching his latest iteration of it and like so he's is, like wow sorry I was there a question over there there yeah, box you said yeah t-h-e-r-e-v-o-x is that the one that floating points uses i know that it's been used by some pretty high profile people uh he uh he did some digging in uh emails and found out uh yeah they're, they're in some pretty interesting places i don't want to drop names or whatever but right uh, yeah, yeah think, he does use one yeah okay and i think uh crazy I think, I think the tea party because they're from windsor as well i think they borrowed one of his and used wow. it on the album and like mentioned him on the album or, or something like that I, I can't remember but uh the That's point is sick. i've actually wanted to get one of those oh yeah <laughs> so he's he's a really smart guy he made a uh he made a midi box that is a one in eight out so somebody takes oh, master nice. clock and then so as long oh, as there's yeah. yeah and then we just Very like cool. we just go from there and uh that's awesome wow. yeah that's that's a real treat for me because like i said i'm not very good at playing keyboards I can sequence right. stuff out and whatever, but some of the guys that go to this, like they are really good keyboard players. And then I, I show up and I'm mostly like, I'm heavy drums. So usually I'll bring like a machine drum or something like that. And then, Oh my God, the sounds that we get into, like there was some times like a couple of years ago, it was middle of winter and I was like feeling depressed and all that. And I went to one of these jams and just, <laughs> I was like on cloud nine for the next couple of days because these guys are so talented and, and I get that. It's just like, oh, so like, and that's something. I'll isn't it amazing how music can do that? You know? Oh God. It's yeah. just, I mean, it's so old. Like <laughs> think about, I don't even yeah. know if cavemen could get depressed, but, but they certainly had, they certainly <laughs> had jams. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. This is, you know, the same thing it's eight ten people all getting together and you know having a few pops and you know really getting into yeah. the music and just having an amazingly good time and it's everybody in the group it's all really good people i like everybody right. involved so it's always that's important that's yeah, important yeah. there's no uh nobody shows up with an ego there's no, no yeah no one's trying to step on anybody's there's no toes. superiority it's that's just, so nice yeah 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 it's a good that's a good feeling well, oh, everyone's so, there for the music and each other. That's mm -hmm. that's when it matters. So a bit changing subject here. I I see some posters around the room, uh, oh, yeah. specifically the Reservoir Dogs one. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, do you like that? Do you like that movie? I I do. Uh, it's not one of my favorite Tarantino films. It's it's good movie. Uh, the last half can just be so hard to watch sometimes that <laughs> I think I think the last time I watched it, I was like, I think that was the last time. You know, <laughs> Whereas, that's like, hard. I mean, I'll watch Pulp Fiction endlessly. Yeah. Like that's never going to go out of rotation. And, and other movie. other Tarantino films as well. Uh, we just watched uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood again. That's a good one. That's yeah. Good one. 
they're they're all intense, yeah. but all of his movies are intense. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, do you do movies play a role in your music career at all? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, and this is something that I'm I'm trying to get away from a little bit now. Uh, like I said, I bought one of those Zoom H4Ns so I can start creating my own samples because yeah, I've taken a lot of inspiration from movies like. Uh, I have a track called Social Undesirable. It's got clips from uh, Passive Glory, the Kubrick film, where that one okay. guy says, oh, I'm a social undesirable, me, a social undesirable. And like, I've got <laughs> a, another one called uh, Label Me Insane, which is, it has clips from uh, Seven with Kevin Spacey saying, oh, oh it's, gosh, it's, yeah. much, it's much easier for you Wait, to label isn't that, isn't that your album? Yeah, I ended up calling the album that, and there's a, there's a track called that. And then like, uh, I've got tracks with like samples from the Godfather and all this stuff. And I was like, you know, I would hate That's to very one, cool. I would hate to one day have a track that actually blows up and then I get slapped with the copyright, oh. you know, like because I didn't oh play gosh, the sample yeah. or something. So I'm like, my next, my next album, the material I'm working on, I'm just not gonna risk it. And some people say, hey, if, if you ever get that big that something gets flagged, that's probably a win regardless. But I don't want to get to that point. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want Sony or Columbia House or whatever, like knocking on my door saying like, oh, you made money off that track that's got, you know, Kevin Spacey in there. Right? Kevin Spacey might be feeling litigious right now. He probably needs the money. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably, honestly. And obviously I made the track before the news came out, but then it it, right. you know, was kind of funny because it's, you know, whether or not he's insane and maybe a bit of a weird guy. <laughs> I love his, I love his movies. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> and I still don't even know all the ins and outs of all that. So I don't want to say anything yeah. that could be litigious. <laughs> it is what it is. I don't really know. I, I, I don't really listen to the news, so who knows? Oh. <laughs> we, we, we both live <laughs> under a rock. So. Oh, wow. Well, I, I, we're involved with things, but I mean, I'm so focused on music that like I don't really have much. Oh time yeah, for, no, that's I mean, awesome. we are, like we know that we know that there was a pandemic. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> <Barely. you> know, <laughs> we're not ignorant. We're not ignorant. We're just you know we do our own thing and we hear things. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. I still haven't so, been across the border since all this started. My last show geez. was uh, I saw. Uh, refused and youth code at san andrews hall like a week before everything oh, nice. shut down something like that so and yeah, i haven't been over there since i gotta get to thomas's place in, over oh, in yeah. michigan sometime well i'll be in lansing soon enough which is a lot closer oh so, okay cool nice i'm way up in Ludington right now pretty nice. far so what are some of your favorite uh either artists or albums uh I mean, definitely huge fan of, I mean, obviously the big warp names, you know, Square Pusher, Aphex Twin, uh, Autechker. Some of my favorite tracks ever are by Autechker. Uh, the song Ray, which is on LP5, oh. one of my one of my favorite songs, like, of all time. That is a good one. And also, and not just because it's, like, Local Boy or whatever, but Plastic Man, to me, is, like, just untouchable. Yeah. I'm such a huge, massive fan uh, I just got a ticket for his show in Toronto. That's oh, February, nice. and like, uh, it's it's so exciting because like he's been back in Windsor lately, and he's back. Yeah. In his, he's in his old studio and digging through old stuff. And that's uh, cool. I think some of the stuff that he's released is old material that he's reworked or something like that. Because one of them is called Time Warps. 
So, and the other one is like straight out of the substance abuse era. And uh, the vinyl has an etching that says like more substance abuse. And it sounds just like that old fuse stuff. So I haven't looked into it. I love fuse. Yeah. Another one of my favorite tracks, like of all time is UVA by fuse. Like every single time I hear that synth start at the beginning, I'm just like, (laughs) Oh, (laughs) those I I would, I've never seen any of that stuff live, but someday. Oh, God. Sick. I, I, I remember I saw uh, Hot and Played in Windsor on uh, Canada Day, like, I don't know, four <laughs> years ago or something like that. He had this big party where the sake that he makes was like dirt cheap, like a couple bucks for a big glass. Or, <laughs> and I, I just wow. remember like, you hear his albums and they're perfect. And you're like, yeah, of course yeah. they're perfect. But his DJing that night was perfect, like absolutely perfect. And to be he is a legend. It, actually happening and of course he's got that like the the model one mixer or whatever it's called yeah like, those are so like, sick so he's been djing for like 30 years and he's got the best mixer in the world and you're just like just just to like actually experience how perfect it is live you're like oh yeah. my god like it just oh it's mind-blowing um it, there is something special about seeing someone like him like a true master play live versus yeah. like listening like yeah. i saw death grips over in uh, London and I, I wasn't really a fan of them before and then but seeing them play live was like transformative because they yeah. were just so in- insane so awesome. there's definitely something powerful about seeing a live musician oh yeah just when they're so good and, too. any virtuoso I mean really <laughs> they yeah. like a good virtuoso literally can take what they are feeling in their musical euphoria or whatever you want to call it and they just put yeah, it in yeah. Yeah, I can just put it into you. It's it's insane. Um, as for like stuff that's maybe not a hundred percent like top of the mainstream of the underground, uh, huge fan of Kettle. I think he's Norwegian or something like that. Okay. It's it's Kettle Kettle, but spelled E L instead of L E. Right, that way okay. when you search it, you don't just get a bunch of tea kettles or whatever. But K E T E L. Yeah, K E T T T T E L. K-E-T-T-E-L. E-L, yeah. And he's I, he's from Norway or, or, or somewhere over there. Uh, and he's like, he plays a bunch of instruments. So his stuff is like, it's it's kind of like drum and bassy IDM, but it's also like very, almost like symphonic in nature. He's got like really good synthesizers going on. Uh, gonna... So he's, he's definitely one of my favorite producers of sort of like the newer era of IDM that's come out in say like the last 10 years or something like that. Uh, he, he would definitely be like up there um top i'm gonna of my, save his music real yeah, quick because yeah. that sounds I, something i'd like i remember telling one of my friends about kettle and he started listening to it and he's like how is this guy not like super famous this stuff is amazing and he, he's just yeah. one of those guys that seems to kind of fly under the radar and, and people don't really seem to know about him too much even though he's like super talented absolutely incredible producer yeah well yeah he, stuff looks pretty sick yeah, he's got a bunch of albums too. Like, I think he's got, oh my god, ten plus albums by now. Like, I think at least. A lot of work. Yeah. So yeah, uh, and off and again, off top of my head, I can't really think of any more like underground artists that I'm like super into at the moment. Right. I remember. Yeah, that's one of those things. You know. But right. Can't remember because so- there's like a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> what does your process look like? I know you said you wanted to start new material and you just 
re redid your rig. Yep. So how do you usually do you start with a concept with your music? Do you start with something you hear in your head or do you just uh, get right into the gear? It's never something that I hear in my head that I then go make. I know some people do okay. that. I, I don't think I've ever done that. I just kind of sit down. That's so interesting. And music can be made so many different ways. Yeah. Like I, I remember interviewing uh, John Overfiend once and we got into that and he was saying, oh yeah, like I absolutely hear it in my head and then go make it. And I'm like, Oh my God, like, yep. I just, I never do that. I, uh, <laughs> and like Tommy was asking earlier, if movies play a big part, like that was always kind of my starting point before it was like, okay, yeah. some, get some really cool clip from like a documentary or a movie. And then whatever, whatever mood those samples are sort of creating, then I try to run with that and always let okay. that set the mood. So it, I'm actually pretty curious what's going to happen with with the material i'm going to start working on because yeah i, I feel sure. yeah like I, i'm starting from a different place and uh especially in the lockdown i've purchased a lot of synths and i've i've read a lot and i've watched a lot of tutorials and i feel yeah. like i know much more than i did just a few years ago so okay uh, uh, my stuff might it, it might be really awesome i, I certainly hope it, it is uh but yeah. I, I would <laughs> i would definitely be starting with some interesting samples and some drums like that's always okay. and then usually what like what i did for my last set was like i said i used the minotaur so heavily that i just think like what's a really effective way to use the minotaur and then i just build a track around that so right. if, the, if the minotaur is creating this growling huge bass then i kind of put in some lighter sense and stuff around it but if the minotaur is just doing like stabs then I try to have more like pads and like really big stuff coming so, out from the so synthesizers. So you're, you're balancing. It's like you're painting yeah. a picture. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I really like stuff that's like pretty chilled out, doesn't get too in your face, but then you know has some extreme moments. So okay, I usually do the ski mask much. No, but I think somebody was telling me that I should because that sounds really like familiar. It. Ski mask is very good. He okay. goes. It's, it's, it's pretty much exactly what you described. It's very, like, nice, but then it goes it's not real your, it's hard. Not terribly sometimes. in your face. until, nice. But until maybe, maybe like, 30 seconds, it, okay. it'll hit you. It builds up, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, damn. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. I'm pretty sure somebody's made Hey, maybe it was do you. you listen, that... <laughs> do you listen to ambient music? Oh, absolutely. Uh, when I just started listening to electronic music back in the day, I heard the orb uh palm Fritz, oh, the yeah. mini album changed mm -hmm. my life like i mean up until then i was listening to corn slipknot limp biscuit green day like i mean and then to just all of a sudden hear an album like palm fritz i was like what is happening <laughs> like i actually have not gosh. listened to that so i'm gonna i'm gonna listen oh, to that later it, yeah, a lot of his, a lot of the stuff from the orb is, is like a house, micro house, left okay. field, whatever. This is like, there's hardly any beats. Like it's really, okay. uh, I remember, oh, another artist I really like is Jerry LaFlim. He's a really excellent artist. He's only got a couple albums. It's like electro stuff, super Ooh. talented producer. Um, I posted a, a picture of Palm Fritz when I finally got it on vinyl. And I think it was him that commented like, this album is like borderline insane just for like how weird and spaced out it is like because it, it's so unorthodox that you, you think like is this guy like is he on acid or is he just <laughs> messing around? like what's going on like because like 
to sit down, it like it almost sounds like it was produced by using like uh, multiple like tape machines or something like that. Might have been. Some of the stuff has no tempo whatsoever. You're just like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and same for like uh, artifacts bc the first time i heard the plastic man artifacts bc also that around the year 2000 just how spaced out it was i was like that changed my whole world view <laughs> oh anyway, yeah cheers this is just tea but cheers to you fellas <laughs> yes cheers to you my friend man i gotta get some tea after this my what kind of what kind nose. of tea is your oh it's like uh multivitamin uh hmm chamomile multivitamin stuff you're only supposed to drink one a day because it's like it's so full it's of probably like, intense yeah. yeah oh it tastes it tastes just like regular chamomile tea but okay I, they just I, put sure they they put a it says like maximum one a day i think also because you know because of covid <laughs> with covid Is it I think like b12 people, or yeah there's all kinds of, there's like vitamin a b c d like they, they have a they have a Pull couple of these teas and th- yeah they have just dis- <laughs> they have disclaimers on them because I, I think they don't want people like drinking 40 bags of tea thinking like oh i'll be safe from covid if i drink this like <laughs> yeah, some, guy, some guy living in uh, south africa i think he got gummy bears from like multivitamin gummy bears from america on online and he thought america was just so decadent that it was just normal gummy bears, but since it was from America, it came in a fancy glass bottle and he was eating like a container every other day and he pre- almost died. Oh, wow. Holy shoot. I know, because he, he over... He over much nutrients in his body. himself. I don't know. Probably, that pretty, crazy. I, probably like jammed his liver up or something. Yeah, that's what it would do. Your liver would just like shut... Because they even said like, you can kill yourself drinking too much water. Because your yeah. liver, it's your liver still has to process everything oh, that yeah. goes through your body, right? Wow, a music podcast here. We are deep into the talking about the liver. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. So, here's a good question that we ask everyone: If you had a billboard and you could put wait, anything wait, wait, wait. on, want, wait, let's rephrase it. <laughs> I, I think there, okay, there's, yeah, you, yeah, you know what I'm, you know what I'm going to say. Yeah, what if was the you, new version? If yeah, this is a new version. If you had one. If you had, if you could say one thing to the world right now, you would, you would just speak a couple sentences and everyone in the world would hear it. What would you say? Oh, jeez, guys. Holy cow. Um, (laughs) (sighs) Everyone can hear it. I know that. uh, Your mom, your grandma. Your hot dog. twin, Richie Houghton. Yeah, <laughs> Richie Houghton. Yeah, I, he's uh, listening. I, I I don't know if you guys will be able to. Oh yeah, because nobody maybe might not see this one. Okay, you're we'll good. See. Yeah, yeah, stretch. Uh, you're good. Th- this is this is something that uh I, a, a while ago I, I wanted my partner to like draw a bit. She's an artist. She mostly does like drawing and painting and stuff like that. Oh cool. And I was like I was like, hey, why don't you draw me like a baby Yoda that reminds me to like be, produ- <laughs> be productive or whatever. So uh, I don't know if you can see it. <laughs> Oh my God! Oh, nice. Make music. Me. Oh God, music. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, that is beautiful. We're cat fans, so. <laughs> that explains um, it. Yeah, I, I would, I would maybe just say that. Like, it doesn't have to be music, but make something. Like, yeah. why not? Like, you never know. Like, what your creation is going to do for somebody else and like it's it's so that's so true it's so true the smallest youtube channels 
can have one or two people in the comments and they're like i was depressed and after i watched your video i found hope you know what i mean right yeah it's just it's crazy so yeah, yeah I, it's I, a I good message that, uh, either that or just uh oh uh i would maybe i know this is basically just stealing it from uh Patton oswald but he's got that whole special where the the through fair is it's chaos be kind that's like his big message. It's what his wife who passed away from cancer used to say all the time that the world is chaos, be kind. And I know I'm just taking it from him, but maybe that would be the best advice is like, honestly, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like just, just try to be nice. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny that you say that because some of our craziest guests we've had on here, uh, DJ food was one of them. Oh, cool. Uh, he's, that was more or less exactly the thing he said as well. Nice. Yeah. Just, well, he said, don't be an asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And pretty like much the, the same thing. The picture of Moses with the two tablets and it just says, be cool, don't be an asshole. It's like, yeah, that's it. That's, like, that's all you need. Like, Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think I would just go with something very simple as well. Like, you know, I'm not going to try to make people do math equations or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Just something simple, you know, hug your mom. Wow. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so you you said you're working on some new stuff. Is that going to be coming out on Detroit Underground then? I have no idea. Uh, I know that I've spoken to Kira about uh, sometime in the next uh, maybe year or so. We definitely want to put out a vinyl. I've never had a vinyl yeah. come out. Uh, so that's definitely going to be on my list. Uh, as I said, I work at Ford. That's pretty new. I, I just started there. Uh, but once okay. once the chip shortage is over and things are moving a bit better, then uh, I'd really like to invest some money into putting out a vinyl. I think it would just be super rewarding. Uh, oh, and, yeah. yeah, I have some stuff right now that is uh, supposed to be coming out on my co my cousin in London, Ontario, has a label called A Person Disguised as People. And uh, huh. I, I want to put out a couple of a couple of tracks on his label. I've got some stuff kind of sitting around that. Uh, I've really got to send to him. <laughs> I've been slacking. Oh, nice. Crazy because I have the time. Uh, but uh, yeah, I've got, got some stuff for him. And then, yeah, whatever I, I start working on now, I imagine will be slated for Detroit Underground because I haven't put anything out on Detroit Underground for, wow, geez, a couple, I don't even know. 2018? Was it? Yeah. I probably, oh, I did uh, the Resang remix. That was probably 2018. And uh, that that went over pretty well. Like that that uh, was a remix I did in very short time. Uh, like I literally threw it together in an afternoon because it was just one of those days where the flow hits just right, and you're like, oh my yeah. god! And I didn't have to overthink it. I finished it in it's no so time, nice. and like I saw, I it love got, that it got played on. Uh, like Will Webb played it on uh, Breaking Waves or whatever. Uh, I just saw Kim Cosmic used it in a DJ set recently, so. I, I was getting tagged in like uh, French radio stations that were playing. And I was like, all right. Like, oh, there you go. Dang. It, it, it felt nice to like, you know, actually have something that uh, I was so happy, happy with. And people were like, damn, this is sick. Like, uh, that's a yeah, good feeling. And yeah, my, my full length album on Detroit Underground was like 2014 or something. So I'm, I'm really overdue for something on that. Yeah. Um, I recently signed up with a New York label called The Seed. That's more of like a techno electro house label. So I had a couple of tracks come out on them. Um, 
And then oh, I, nice. did, I did an album on uh, Museum of Skin, which is a local Windsor label. That was the label, the insane one. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely overdue to put out some material on Detroit Underground. So I, I imagine that that will be uh, after my cousin's label, then yeah, Detroit Underground would almost certainly be the next one. Yeah, they're a fun label. Oh Good God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, it's it's so cool to be like, yeah, I'm on the same label as Richard Devine, you know? <laughs> oh yeah we actually had him on the podcast nice nice he's he's a cool cool. guy Uh, yeah i've hung out with him a couple times he's like uh, he's like a god of idm but he's like super humble like he's the nice he's the nicest guy he's so nice yeah (laughs) i remember like we picked him up from the airport or something like that one time and like we're like walking to the car and rich is just like y'all hop in the back seat and i was like what come on like like normally something nice. that, with that status would you know hold the door for you to get in the back seat. He just like hopped in. Like there was no ego whatsoever. And I was like, man, this guy's awesome. <laughs> yeah, the world needs more people like him. Oh, absolutely. He's a good guy. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're down in Windsor then. That's that's like right across the lake from Detroit. Right across Detroit River. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. So growing up, did you spend a lot of time in Detroit? Um, not too much as a kid. Um, I mean, I, I, I remember I went to like the Detroit jazz festival uh, a couple of times. I saw Dizzy Gillespie when I was like five years old or something like that. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Playing with his bent trumpet and stuff. Um, and then also my, my mom was in the Windsor community orchestra and she often played, uh, other kinds of gigs over in, uh, somewhere outside Detroit. I don't remember exactly where it was, but right. uh, I, I remember the impression that it made on me because I was a little kid and you leave the Detroit city limits and it's like ghetto on one side of the street. And then there's <laughs> like green lawns and picket fences, like in the span of like four feet. And you're like, what did I yeah. just see? Like for a kid to see something like that, you're like, that's weird. Unbelievable. So yeah, I spent a decent amount of time for, you know, going to like symphonies and stuff and, you know, the occasional basketball game or no, not basketball, uh, hockey or, <laughs> or baseball game, stuff like that, Cedar Point, but nowhere near the amount of time that I would spend in Detroit like nowadays. Like nowadays, I'm right, like, well, yeah. not, not these days, but, you know, up until COVID hit, I was over there constantly. I've got friends over there. All the good shows are over there. You know, as somebody who lives in Windsor, my options are go to Detroit or go to Toronto. I can, yeah. take, I can take the bus to Detroit it's four hours to get to Toronto. So like, yeah. so yeah, these days I spend, I mean, a lot of time in Detroit, you know, the DIA, you name it, we're over there as much as we can. So what are some of your favorite clubs? If you had to pick uh, top three. In Detroit? That, in general. Oh that you've God. Been to. Uh, I don't really know. I mean, we had some really fun shows at Deluxe Flux. Um, Re- Rebecca Goldberg, the 303 Gas. Oh, nice. She, she had a bit of a, a residency there for a while where she was doing a show once a month or something like that. And uh, I was supposed to be the guest, but then it I don't, it, it stopped. She doesn't even do that show anymore. Uh, so I went to, there a handful of times. Obviously, you know, St. Andrews Hall is a cool place. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, I used to like playing at, uh, what was it called? blondies i think it was called it was like basically like a warehouse like over by the ambassador oh, nice. bridge and yeah well I, I played a couple cool shows there uh kiro opened up for like uh download 
one time there. So we were like hanging out in the green room with like download and Audubon Chirac and stuff. And like, Oh was, my gosh. I know. <laughs> and, and yeah. So that was a really bizarre show as you can imagine. Otto's, I bet. Otto's a weird dude. And you know, seven, he is and, something. <laughs> so I, that was a lot of fun because uh, I was studying, I was in university at the time and I actually had a, a test coming up on Roman mythology and I was in the back room, like, and like they were like asking me like what's up and uh, like i was explaining roman mythology to like the members of download <laughs> oh <and> my like, <laughs> god it's so cool like and i think there's video of that somewhere kiro sent me a video that one of the other artists made like a compilation of like oh my tour with download or whatever and like there's like one I, I don't even know if this video exists anymore but you see one shot of like me there with my laptop like explaining mythology to like, <laughs> that's funny oh my gosh what did you go to university for then uh i went to university of windsor i have a combined honors in history and greco-roman studies and greco-roman studies yeah so you know, I studied Latin and mythology and all that stuff. Wow. And, uh, okay. I, I, I wanted to be a professor, but uh, reality sunk in that, you know, that's a lot of school to potentially yeah. not ever get a job. Yeah, and that's, that's true. So I was like, well, I'm in a manufacturing town and I just started working manufacturing jobs instead because, uh, but it, history is like still something that, like I listen to history podcasts every day. That's what I fall asleep oh, listening nice. to. I listen to it at work. So uh, it's definitely still there an interest go. of mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. I mean, you could, yeah, history. I'm still bad at history. What if you? Like what if you gave? You could give history <laughs> lessons on Fiverr. Or, yeah. There you go. You know, yeah, I guess I could. You know, I, you I, can freelance your way out of anything, yeah. bro. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'd start gigging as a lecturer or something. And yeah, I, I'm the moonlighting as a DJ. Yeah, and that's something I was <laughs> I was pretty good at that, like the the public speaking and, and doing lectures and stuff. That was uh, that just came naturally to me. It's I mean, so you easy. you seem you 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 seem very well. Uh, you're not shy. You know what I mean? Oh no no no. Uh, I I usually say I don't try to be the center of attention. I'm not that guy. But if I have to be, I can be, you know, like if I have yeah, sure. to, yeah, sure. Yeah. I can do some kind That's of a good skill. Yeah. A good skill. I don't try to, I'm not going to run out with a guitar every five minutes and be like, look at me or whatever. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I have to perform, I'm going to perform. No problem. It's probably going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. It's, I think when, especially as far as performing goes, I performed a lot growing up, but I think I, I, I still wasn't comfortable about it, but I think when you, get comfortable on stage things get really fun oh yeah absolutely like really yeah. fun <laughs> when you're comfortable but before you're comfortable it's not very fun yeah <laughs> oh. and, and like oddly enough like most of the time when i perform i feel great every yeah. once in a while when i perform i'm nervous the whole time and i can't shake it and i don't know why and like yeah that sucks it's pretty rare that it happens but there'll be times where i'm like i'm trembling through a dj set i'm like what like what is going on like i i've done this a thousand times i'm not going to screw up and if i do it's going to be a very small screw up like but you just can't shake it sometimes like yeah oh it's wild and then of course that was a lot worse with comedy <laughs> Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I think like, the hardest show I ever did was the day before my girlfriend told me she was pregnant. Ah, all right. <laughs> that was intense. It was like something inside you knew that something different was going on or what? <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, now she's that was at she's that was at, so. That was at LACA, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, that was extreme. Center for the Arts. 
nice. And then like a year later, we got married or two years later. So nice. It panned out all right. But nice. uh, We're actually about 10 minutes from the end of the episode here, which that kind of went by fast. Yeah. So nice. Do we have some questions? One of some final wrap up questions here. We already asked the billboard one. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) What 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 purchase of $100 or less? in the past month has been the most valuable to you of a hundred dollars or, or at least a recent purchase. It doesn't have to be in the last month. It's just a recent, recent purchase. About a hundred dollars or less. The best purchase. Anything. We've had one person say an ounce of weed. Oh, okay. No, I wouldn't say that. Uh, I'd say, <laughs> I, I mean, I recently, <laughs> uh, I just got the uh, checker LP five, uh, reissue oh, on sick. vinyl. And that was like 40 bucks or whatever it was. And uh, years ago, I had the I had a CD version of it that was in this solid black case. I guess it's like super rare. Like you can actually sell it for 20 or 30 bucks on Discogs right now. And yes. it went it went missing years ago. Oh, no. And, and that that Autechre song, Ray, is like one of my favorite Autechre tracks ever. That so, so good. when I finally saw that there was a reissue of LP5 and Cast of Slide, together i oh my god i I got them both and i just absolutely over the moon to finally have those on vinyl so i'd I'd say either that or another vinyl that i bought was uh uh red hot chili peppers stadium arcadium the box set nice which is you know it's a really great album and uh my girlfriend's favorite song like one of her all-time favorite songs is on there so it was kind of like which one uh what's it called it's that uh tell me baby what's your story <laughs> right she just loves that so she, she's like these lyrics are the best lyrics anybody's ever written come on he's singing to me right now i'm like oh yeah he's definitely singing oh yeah to you, right? definitely <laughs> and uh that, that's that funny was, that was a cool purchase because they had it at dr disc uh, uh, oh, nice. uh, uh eight months ago or something like that and i went to pick it up and it was gone i was like ah oh. crap i wanted it so bad and they finally got in another copy and they they posted a picture of it online and i mean i pretty much jogged there to make sure that i got it and they said oh yeah this was really hard to get you know another copy so you got lucky so yeah do what you gotta do yeah so I, i'd say vinyl definitely <laughs> yeah. yeah so quick question you you seem like an Autechre fan, obviously. What did oh, yeah. you think of Plus? Uh, I I definitely loved it. I thought it was beautiful, but I I haven't listened to it enough times to really remember it enough that, that I don't think I could give like a really good opinion no. on it or whatever. Like I was just listening to it uh, yesterday because yeah, Plus and Sign I got them both on vinyl, and I love them. I think they're they're gorgeous, but I I I wouldn't be able to like rank them as far as my yeah. least favorite or whatever, because I, I just haven't given it enough. They're time pretty different yet. from yeah, their yeah. recent stuff. Like the, what was it? The NTS studio session stuff. So different. So different. Yeah. 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 I, I don't have too many of those, but yeah, those are much more uh, like choppy and weird. If I'm not mistaken, whereas like plus and yeah. sign are very just it's like synthy. Like, it's so lush sounding. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, very open. I, I, I can recall one night putting it on while I was doing something and just being like, oh, this is gorgeous. Just absolutely oh, yeah. gorgeous. And sometime I'm going to have to put it on uh, and crank it up really loud and, yeah. and get a good Definitely feel. Definitely worth it. a dedicated listen. Oh, yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
I remember when uh, Odd Checkers uh, draft 7.3, when it came out, Oh yeah. I could not stop listening to it. Like it was on repeat at the time. I don't know why I got so addicted to that album, but oh, no, that is a good one. <laughs> so a quick, so another question real quick, when you listen to music, me and Caden are very different as far as this goes. I have music on 24-7, like all day. It's it's rare that I don't have music playing. Okay. Whereas Caden most of the time listens to it when dedicated like music listening time. Oh, okay. What, how do you do it? I, I would just be somewhere in the middle of that pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as I said, I, I also listen to a lot of like uh, history podcasts and uh, I'm always right. listening to like NPR and stuff like that. So oh yeah, there's always there's pretty much always something on. And I mean, yeah. obviously I listen to more than just IDM. I listen to jazz, rock and roll, electronica, folk, you know, like you name it. So it's really yeah. just, what am I in the mood for? Am, am I in the mood for, you know, some music or some information, whatever, but it's, yeah, I, I never go long without, like there's always something on my turntable up here. Pretty much always. <laughs> and then obviously what? at work all day. Oh yeah. That's, that's cool. <laughs> that you let you listen, listen to music. music? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're allowed to have like headphones on and stuff like that. It's great. That's awesome. I, I, I that's actually to, pretty cool. Yeah, and I, I listen to so you, much stuff that it's just this shuffling between comedy, IDM, drum and bass. Like, you know, without that, I don't know what I do at work all day. <laughs> oh man, you could, yeah, uh, really you could, you could put on like a language learning. You, you know, like yeah. a like a guide to learn like a language, and you yeah. could probably learn it while you're at work or something. Yeah, uh, a lot of the time, what I do is listen to uh, history podcasts. Like I'm listening to okay. one called uh, Revolutions by this guy Mike Duncan. He also did one called History of Rome, and they are fantastic. Oh, cool. So yeah, sometimes I'll listen to like eight, ten episodes. Like right now, I'm listening to one all about the Paris Commune, and I like stand there at work learning about yeah. the Paris Commune all day. Which is funny. That's pretty I, cool, though. Yeah. So, oh, so yeah. is it a is it a factory line like an assembly or? Yeah, yeah, yeah motor lines. Okay. Yeah. What so part the, do you What part do you play? Uh, the engine comes into me at a station. It stops. I put some stuff on. It goes. It goes. <laughs> yeah. <I'm, laughs> I just uh, like that. I'm 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 what's called a pro tem. I'm full time, but I I don't own a job. I haven't bid on a specific location. Uh, oh. And I've, I've been trained in some really good jobs so far. So there's no point in me. Like, I'm just going to stay a pro temp for a while because I always get pulled to end up on some good jobs. So yeah, uh, interesting. keeps the variety. Like, obviously, some people That's want cool. want to work the exact same spot every day, get one they like and just stay there. But uh, for now, I'm just enjoying bouncing around. It's, it's been great. Yeah. And they, they, uh, it's for it, right? So we're union. We're treated great. Like, it's, it's That's awesome. Great. Yeah, I'm really that happy is, to get in there. That is good. Yeah. <laughs> Well, hey, I think I think we're about at the end of the podcast, which I kind of crept up, huh? Yeah, cool. Well, I mean, I think it's about it. Word. So. <laughs> Very nice yeah. to meet you. Yeah, yeah this, was, this was a really, probably up there as far as one of the most fun podcasts. Some of our guests are not as good at speaking. <laughs> well, as, as you may or may not know, I did radio with Kiro uh, at CJMFM oh, in Windsor for years, right? So Nice. Uh, oh, okay. 
and yeah, we, we would interview, like we, we interviewed Richard Devine. We, uh, interviewed, uh, Kay Hand, John Oberfiend, Derek Michael, uh, you know, various people on the DU label nice. and stuff. And you know, I was always the one that did the interviewing because I'm the, I'm the talker. <laughs> Kiro is nice. not the chatty type, right? He's more like, yeah, just no. wants to like lay all. back and like do like crazy IDM stuff on his laptop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He said he won't do an episode. I keep I saying, you got to do one of these. Years I, don't do that stuff. I, don't, I don't do that. Yeah. He never once asked a single question to any of our guests on the show. <laughs> That's just not his thing. Right. He's that sounds he's, like hero. Yeah. He's busy doing some designing for some flyers and, and stuff. And uh, yeah, well, I did all the time, so which I was fine with. You- did you know, I wonder if you knew my dad at all, because my dad and Kiro were like real close. Oh, really? I grew up in Lansing, yeah. Jim Ryan, Shenanigans TV, Dion Foster maybe. No, it doesn't ring a bell, no. Huh, It's I'm surprised, interesting. I, I he, might have come knew, across him at some you. point. Yeah, yeah. He heard I, of you, so. It's, it's very possible that I crossed his path and I just don't remember the name, but yeah, it's certainly very likely, yeah crazy it's a small world yeah absolutely yeah especially once you get into certain scenes right like yeah definitely yeah. especially Every, the detroit underground scene yeah everybody knows everybody at some point oh yeah well hey this has been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for coming on and being a guest yeah i do i'm really glad to have uh, that you guys had me yeah so this was kt music a conversation with cam cushion this was episode 13 i believe of season one Woo. and we will see you guys next week